millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is a Story Hunter Productions podcast. This episode deals with graphic content and may not be suitable for all listeners. You cut off his arms, you cut off his legs, you cut off his head. How could you miss his dick? How could you miss his dick, dick? Hamilton, Ontario, 1946. A headless human torso is discovered by a group of children. A dead baby is discovered in an attic, and a beautiful young woman is sent to prison for life. But 11 years later, she is given a whole new identity by the National Parole Board, and she simply disappears. Who was this raven-haired femme fatale? Was she a cunning beauty who used men to get what she wanted? Or was she a naive young girl who was sexually exploited by men from an early age, including her own father? If Evelyn Dick was alive today, she would be a hundred years old. And while she is likely dead and buried, her story refuses to die. There have been three books, a documentary, a play, songs, and a television movie all about the notorious Mrs. Dick but her life after prison has remained a closely guarded government secret. I'm Catherine Fogarty, and in this podcast, I'm bringing Evelyn Dick back to life, the beautiful young woman who was the central figure in one of the most grisly murder cases in Canadian history. I'll tell you all about who she was and the shocking crimes she committed. But I'm also going to try to find out what happened to Evelyn after she left prison. 74 years after a human torso was discarded on Hamilton Mountain, it's time to find the woman who likely put it there. This is Where Are You, Mrs. Dick? Episode 1, Evelyn. She was the femme fatale. She was the Matahari, the person we most love to hate or hate to love or something like that. She was a, a beautiful girl. She was attractive. Uh, in most people's eyes, she was a, a horrendous murderess. She had a very deep brown eyes that if your sight caught each other, you feel cold chills run over you. You'd wonder, my God, that's a striking looking girl. But I guess she was as evil as she was beautiful. The story of Evelyn begins in Scotland. 
Evelyn's father, Donald McLean, is born in the Scottish Highlands in 1878. Evelyn's mother, Alexander Grant, is born in the northwest area of Scotland in 1885. The couple marry in 1911 and immigrate to Canada the following year. The McLeans settle in Beamsville, Ontario, a rich agricultural area. They buy some acreage with the intention of developing a small fruit farm. Their only child, a daughter, is born at home on October 13, 1920. They name her Evelyn. With a newborn, life on the farm proves to be a little too much. Alexandra is looking after her daughter, but Donald is spending more time drinking than he is working. Donald soon has to find other work to supplement their dwindling farming income. So he gets a job with Dominion Power and Transmission, working the freight railways for $1,400 a year. The McLeans have a very difficult marriage. Donald McLean is an abusive alcoholic, and the couple often separate, but always get back together. In 1921, the McLeans moved to Hamilton, an industrialized city at the west end of Lake Ontario. Home of the two largest steel manufacturing companies, Stelco and Defasco, the port city soon adopted the name Steeltown. Hamilton has come to be the most highly industrialized of all Canadian cities. Our 500 industries represent the greatest diversity of manufactured products of any single city in the Dominion. More than 30% of our population is employed by industry alone. The McLeans moved to a small red brick house at 214 Roslyn Avenue. The McLean's one-and-a-half-story house is located near the base of Hamilton Mountain in the city's south end. And as far as Mrs. McLean is concerned, it's on the wrong side of the tracks for her daughter. The rich live in the west end of town. Local journalist and Hamilton historian Mark McNeil has written extensively about Evelyn Dick. The neighborhoods at that time were, the houses were newer and that definitely is our working class, but pushing upward. It, it was, you know, not a bad part of the city to live in by any means. We'll be coming back to the house on Roslyn Avenue. The McLeans settle into their life in Hamilton with young Evelyn. As an only child, she's overindulged by her mother and not allowed to play with neighborhood kids. In 1924, Donald McLean is laid off from his job at Dominion Power and Transmission. Fortunately, six weeks later, he is hired as a motorman with the Hamilton Street Railway, and he becomes a streetcar conductor. Two years later, in 1926, McLean is promoted to the HSR head office as an assistant to the cashier. Each night, all of the fare boxes from the streetcars and buses are delivered and locked into a large vault in the cashier's office. The following morning, the fare boxes are opened and the cash and tickets are sorted. McLean's new job would prove to be beneficial in supporting his daughter's expensive lifestyle. As Evelyn matures, she attends different schools in Hamilton, but her academic performance is less than stellar. At age 17, Evelyn is sent to Loretto Academy, a prestigious private Catholic school in Oakville for the daughters of Hamilton's elite. But this isn't a school that can be easily afforded on a working man's salary. And every day, young Evelyn shows up dressed to the nines, wearing fur coats and jewelry to class. 
But how are the McLeans able to afford a private school education and other luxuries on a railway man's salary of only $1,700 a year during the Depression? Evelyn's mother tells people she has a wealthy aunt back in Scotland who sends her money. But the reality is that Donald McLean is stealing from his employer. McLean has stolen the combination to the cashier's vault and rifles the cash boxes before his boss arrives in the morning. By the time he is caught in 1946, it is estimated he has stolen close to $250,000 in 20 years, a fortune at that time. At her respectable new school, Evelyn is socially awkward and has trouble making friends. So with the money her father is fleecing from the Hamilton Street Railway, Evelyn tries to buy her way into the good favor of the richer kids. Evelyn purchases elaborate gifts for anyone who pays her attention and always insists on picking up the tab if a group of kids go for coffee after school. She also throws class parties at the Royal Connaught Hotel in Hamilton and the Brant Inn in Burlington, handing out silver compacts and cigarette cases as party favors. But she is starting to attract attention from others. Men around Hamilton are definitely beginning to take notice of the dark-haired beauty and she becomes a quick study in knowing how to manipulate her admirers. Hamilton playwright Brian Morton produced the play How Could You, Mrs. Dick? in 1989 and 1991 to sold-out crowds, and also directed the play in 2013. She had a real movie star quality to her. It's often compared to Rita Hayworth. She had this kind of, what they call in the film industry, an it quality. As a young teenager, Evelyn is spending a lot of time away from school and is often seen in the company of older men from Hamilton and Toronto. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. By the time she's 16 or 17, she's on the arm of powerful men. She's basically, and, and the question is, is how did she get those relationships? And in a bizarre, twisted Bermuda Triangle, it seems to be coming from her mother. Her mother's pimping her own daughter out but not just to anybody, and certainly not for money. But one of the common narratives is Evelyn Dick is a prostitute. She certainly is not. There was never any exchange of sex for money. What she was, was a party girl, uh, a, a sexual plaything to powerful and wealthy men who didn't reward her with cash on the bedstead, rewarded her with furs and jewelry and expensive stuff and great trips and wonderful, you know, just basically treated her like a high-class girlfriend. And Evelyn's mother was convinced that if she could somehow get close to some of these men, that one of them would eventually marry her. While her mother actively encourages her to seek out men from the city's upper class, Evelyn has her own desires and is also attracted to some of the local athletes and soldiers stationed at the airbase on the outskirts of Hamilton. To impress the military men, many of whom are pilots from Britain's Royal Air Force stationed in Canada, Evelyn pretends she is a driver with the Red Cross. She procures a full Red Cross uniform and photographs herself in it. Then she happily hands out the photo to any potential suitor. The Red Cross had no record of Evelyn McLean ever working for them, but her phony uniform with the name embroidered into the shirt will later prove to be valuable evidence in her murder trial. After graduating from high school, Evelyn continues to seek the company of wealthy, influential men who provide her with a comfortable lifestyle. Rumors begin to circulate around town that she is a paid escort. She apparently even has a list of her customers, a little black book with a record of her lovers. It is alleged to contain the names of some very prominent Hamiltonians, including lawyers, store owners, financial heavyweights, and even a judge's son. 
No one wants the names in that book to ever be seen. Years later, when Evelyn is on trial for murder, the potential existence of that little black book keeps many wealthy men from Hamilton awake at night. There's a publication ban slapped so that, and yet, because it was an open courtroom, those names, when they're read into the court record, they're not reported in the newspaper. The file is sealed, so we can't see those names in the court record uh, because it's all in camera. But the people in the public gallery heard those names. And so it was gossip that's floating around the city of Hamilton that these are the men that Evelyn slept with. And in a later podcast, we'll talk about whether this black book, listing names of her wealthy married lovers, is why Evelyn was given a whole new identity and a royal pardon. But at the time, that little black book may have also contained some other damning information that someone didn't want exposed. Because on July 10th, 1942, at the age of 22, Evelyn gives birth to a baby girl. She names the baby Heather Marie White. A baby born out of wedlock in the 1940s was quite the scandal. And under the laws at the time, if it was discovered that Evelyn's daughter was illegitimate, Children's Aid had the power to remove the baby and put her in foster care. But even before the baby is born, Evelyn has come up with a ploy to avoid the gossip and stigma attached to being an unwed mother. She simply creates a husband for herself. Evelyn's pretend spouse is Norman White, who is from a wealthy Cleveland family and is proudly serving in the American Navy. Norman White is an officer in the Royal Canadian Navy who serves on a ship called the HMCS Wentworth. There really was an HMCS Wentworth. There was no such person as Norman White. But unfortunately for his young bride, now using the name Evelyn White, he is on active duty at sea, far, far away. No one ever recalls meeting the Navy man, and Evelyn and her newborn daughter return to live with her parents at the Roslyn Avenue home. Evelyn's father, Donald McLean, is not happy about the baby. But Evelyn's mother is thrilled to have a granddaughter. Plus, Evelyn is giving her mother money, which Alexandra is hiding from her alcoholic husband. Evelyn has never held a job, but her mother doesn't question where the money is coming from. Evelyn had very uh, high, high, high taste of things, expensive taste, and uh, you know needed money to uh, to manage it. And so she uh, she was sort of pushing the envelope of her ability to make money, and uh, and the mother was kind of looking the other way. It could have been coming from the mystery man who fathered Heather. Although there was also speculation that the baby was possibly Donald McLean's, and he had been having an incestuous relationship with his daughter. After Heather is born, Evelyn continues dating, and one year later, on June 20th, 1943, she gives birth to another daughter, but the baby is stillborn. And then, 11 months later, Evelyn is pregnant again. She maintains that her fake husband, Norman White, is the father but no one ever meets the mysterious Navy man. When Evelyn's father finds out about her third pregnancy, he is livid. He does not want any more children living in his home. Alexandra McLean defends her daughter, and this causes even more friction in the McLean household. Evelyn finally decides she wants her own place away from her feuding parents, and she also wants a more upscale address where she can entertain her wealthy male friends. 
Evelyn finds a vacancy at the exclusive Henson Park Apartments at 316 James Street South in Hamilton. The apartment is one of several in a converted 19th century mansion on an expensive estate in the shadow of Hamilton Mountain. Fairly expensive. It, you know, it's a lovely building. It's well kept. It's right at the uh, foot of the escarpment going up, uh, going up James Street. If you were going to rent a, a, an apartment, this would have been at the kind of luxury end or at least starter luxury. This was not a basic accommodation by, by any means. She, she would have had uh, lots of other alternatives for places to stay that would have cost her much less. But Evelyn has a problem. She's got one child and another on the way. Who is going to rent her an apartment with no visible husband? So Evelyn comes up with another lie. She meets Samuel Henson, who owns the apartment building, and tells him she is pregnant with her second child, but the baby is already dead, and she will be going to the hospital to have it removed. Naturally, Henson feels sorry for her and agrees to rent her the apartment. On September 5th, 1944, Evelyn gives birth to a healthy nine-pound baby boy at Mountain General Hospital. She registers the baby's name as Peter David White. She tells the nurse supervisor in the hospital nursery that her naval husband has been lost at sea and now she is a widow with two children. Evelyn only has one visitor while in the hospital. Her mother, Alexandra, comes to visit her healthy new grandson on September 14th. She brings a large beige suitcase with some clothing for Evelyn and a beautiful white dress, woolen jacket and booties for the baby. The next day, Evelyn's obstetrician, Dr. Boone, receives a call from the maternity ward saying that Mrs. White is preparing to leave the hospital. Dr. Boone wants to check on the baby and to make sure Evelyn has proper feeding instructions. He heads over to the hospital and arrives at noon, but Evelyn is already gone. Three hours after leaving the hospital, a taxi pulls up outside the McLean's house on Roslyn Avenue. It's Evelyn. She gets out carrying the suitcase her mother brought her in the hospital, but nothing else. She does not have the baby. Evelyn's mother asks her where the baby is, and she tells her mother she has left him with the Children's Aid Society and has agreed to put him up for adoption. It's pretty hard to believe that no one ever confirms her story, but the baby is never seen again. Evelyn even attends three postnatal checkups with her own doctor, a Dr. Adamson, but he never sees the baby and he notes in his records that Evelyn is in good health and she tells him the baby is doing well. Her mother and father, you know, this baby disappears and, you know, they, you know, what, what is their uh, degree of uh, involvement or knowledge about, about uh, what happened to this kid? Two weeks after leaving the hospital, Evelyn takes possession of her new apartment on James Street South. She spends lots of money to furnish it and to decorate it, but she never moves in. She continues to reside at her parents' house. Her father is happy that there isn't another mouth to feed, but Evelyn's mother is very resentful towards her husband, thinking he forced Evelyn to give up her baby for adoption. As her parents' relationship continues to deteriorate, Evelyn resumes her busy social life and uses the James Street apartment to impress and entertain various male companions. By the spring of 1945, Alexandra McLean decides she can no longer live with her abusive alcoholic husband. They have separated numerous times during their marriage, but this time she wants out for good. And it doesn't take Mrs. McLean long to find a new place to live. 
On June 7, 1945, the 60-year-old grandmother moves in with her daughter and granddaughter into Evelyn's James Street apartment. Naturally, this puts a damper on Evelyn's romantic liaisons at the apartment, but she sees it only as a temporary arrangement. Evelyn's long-term plan is to buy a house and maintain the apartment for its intended purpose, to meet men for sex. Evelyn, her mother, and her daughter settle into a nice routine while living at the apartment. They are happy to be away from the volatile temper of Donald McLean, and Alexandra is often spotted in the adjacent park playing with her granddaughter. The owner of the apartment, Samuel Henson, later tells the Hamilton Press that Evelyn was an ideal tenant. She kept her apartment clean and always paid the rent on time. The McLean ladies' lives are finally settling down, but their happy coexistence does not last for long. Four months after moving into the James Street apartment, Evelyn announces to her mother that she is getting married. Her fiancé's name is John Dick. On the next episode of Where Are You, Mrs. Dick? Who is this mystery man that no one has ever heard of, and why is Evelyn suddenly getting married? Why did she marry this guy is, is, is a bit of a mystery. Like, uh, she would have had other, other choices. Why did she pick him? The thing that most people think is that she, she misunderstood who she was marrying. Has the newly married Mrs. Dick actually changed her wayward ways? Or is her new husband in for a few surprises? I doubt she loved John Dick. I doubt she had any particularly emotional connection to him. I think it's logical that they probably had sex together a few times, but she had sex with a lot of guys. Evelyn, oh Evelyn, it's been a very long time since you went away from here. Your cigarette and big Mrs. Dick is written and produced by Catherine Fogarty. Audio production is by Daniel Borgers at Borgers Music. The song Evelyn Dick is written and performed by Mark McNeil. A special thank you to Mark McNeil and Brian Morton. This is a Story Hunter Productions podcast. For more information on this episode and other podcasts, visit us at storyhunterpodcasts.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And it, stop 